Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning, Real Presence Radio. This today is uh, Friday, July 5th, and this is uh, our Friday morning installment of Real Presence Radio. My wife and I, Doreen, and myself, Jack Kennelly, will be your hosts for today. And uh, as we always do for uh, Real Presence Live, we're going to start with a prayer. Doreen? Good morning. This prayer comes from um, one of the days of the Liturgy of the Hours, morning prayer. And let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, may everything we do begin with your inspiration and continue with your saving help. May our work always find its origin in you, and through you reach completion. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doreen. Uh, and now we'll we'll go to Aaron for our uh, for a uh, a preview of the show. Absolutely, we're going to have a fabulous Friday's edition of Real Presence Live. We're going to sit down with Valerie Ritland from the Diocese of Crookston on the mother of two sons serving in the military. She will share her story of how her faith has supported her family in this calling. Then we'll talk with Father Gunwell. He'll be here with us during Straight Talk. And in the second hour, we will have Rich and Mary Helen Olson to share their inspirational story of faith. In the segment, Inspired Sharing Your Journey, we will also explore the beauty of the different kinds of prayer and how central the prayer life is in our faith. All this coming up here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you. Okay, thank you, Aaron. It sounds like it's going to be a good show, and we're certainly looking forward to it. Doreen and I, at least on our inaugural voyage here, this is our first time as guests, and uh, we'll certainly be uh, relying on Aaron to bail us out if we get too much dead air at any particular time. And uh, we certainly welcome all of our listeners out there, and uh, we hope you're having a good uh, 4th of July weekend. Some of you might even be at work today, and I know a lot of people have... uh, taken the day off in order to have an extended weekend, which is just fine. And uh, uh, before we get started, though, I'd, I'd like to uh, make a shout out to the neighborhood where we live. Doreen and I actually found a dog last night, and we hope if anybody out there is from the the Longfellow area and they have a scraggly dog that uh, they'd like to get back home, uh, uh, you're certainly in, uh, encouraged to call the, 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 the Fargo Pound because that's where the dog ended up last night. A very friendly police officer came and uh, took her to the pound, and we're hoping that she can get reunited with her family. So uh, with that, Doreen, how are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing just fine. That dog was so sweet and kind of old and really took to Jack. <laughs> yeah, but it was Dreen who was probably almost shedding tears when we had to let her go after having her for about 45 <laughs> yes. minutes. She did jump into the police car willingly, though. That was yes, nice. and uh, we're going to remind you right now, uh, in our segment for uh, when we have Father Gunwall on um, for uh, the kind of, is it question and answer time, and straight talk, 
is the name of the segment. We, we encourage you to call in with your questions. And that number to call, I'm going to give it out now, and we're going to be giving it out uh, throughout the program, 877-795-0122. Once again, one 877 7950122. We have a lot of people who uh, say that they learn an awful lot on Catholic Radio and on Real Presence Radio. And we certainly, uh, you know, we're, we're glad to hear that. But we also want to have this as an opportunity for people to kind of uh, focus in on specific things that they want to learn about or have questions about. And uh, Father Gunwall will be here and he'll be happy to field your questions and. Uh, if if he doesn't know the answer, he'll uh, he'll probably tell you that. I know that's what uh, what I would do, and uh, you know maybe direct you to some sources where you could find an answer to that question. But we certainly want people to call in because we want that segment of the show to be interactive, and people to call in because we know you have questions. Because when we listen to other programs on Catholic Radio, uh, you know lots of questions coming in. So we're, uh, we're looking forward to that segment, but we're also looking forward in particular to uh, our, our, our first guest, uh, who is uh, Valerie Ritland, who is from Moorhead, Minnesota. And uh, Valerie has uh, a couple of sons who are in the military, and on this 4th of July weekend, this is a good time to recognize our military and keep them in our prayers. Well, we keep them in our prayers all the time, but in a special way over a, a patriotic weekend like this one. So, Valerie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, and especially at this particular time when it's a good time to stop and think about those who serve us. Right. And, uh, well, why don't you tell us about yourself? Just give us a little bit of the background before we launch into the the uh, the substance of your you know what you're here for. Thank you. I grew up in northern Minnesota. I was a farm girl, and that was a beautiful um, place to grow up and to learn a good work ethic. And I came from a large family. Uh, I was one of the first women in my family to venture into a college um, arena. I came down here to Moorhead State University and went into special education. I was a special ed teacher for a number of years and also worked for Head Start a number of years, 20 years. I was a principal at St. Joe's uh, School in Moorhead, one of my favorite jobs for sure. And I'm currently a professor at Minnesota State University. I teach um, future teachers who are going into special education or elementary education. But my favorite job has always been just being a mother to my three children, Trevor, Brad, and Tracy. I always felt that guiding them in their faith was my most important job in life. And I was assisted in that job um, by my husband, Tim, who I've been married to for 42 years. Well, that's how long we've been married, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and Dreen have a lot in common with your education, <laughs> education background. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's... Dreen, I was hoping you were going oh, to I'm ask sorry. the next question. <laughs> Are we ready to dive in? To yes, I think thing? we're ready to dive okay. in. Well, as I was thinking about um, you as a guest this morning, Valerie, I thought about uh, the the day that our son left for college and, um, and the thoughts that I had as a mother. And I was just wondering if you would be willing to share something about what was moving in your heart as you... Yeah entrusted your sons to a, a life of service in the military? Well, that's a very good question because uh, my oldest son, Trevor, chose 
the path of the Naval Academy. And so it was just a very few weeks after his graduation day that he went down and became um, orientated to that very rigorous culture of the Naval Academy. And so we went there during parents' uh, week and, and sort of saw him being processed through that experience and certainly uh, lots of tears, I think, on my part and his part. Uh, I think he sort of was in culture shock at first. but um, And then we just had such limited contact with him that it was always a worry how he was doing. And yet I knew the strength of his character and the depth of his faith would help him to be able to to adapt and adjust to to that experience. It's kind of a real experience of the truth that our children are not our own, isn't it? Yes, yes. And sometimes uh, we're selfish in that way. That, um, And I still, you know, my children are 39, 37, and 32, and I still feel very much like I want to mother them more <laughs> than maybe they need from me. <laughs> I hear you. And my children would concur. <laughs> But his, his wife is also a Naval Academy grad, and um, during his years there, he majored in math, but he specialized in explosive ordnance disposal. So he chose a very dangerous path uh, as far as careers go in, in the Navy. Um, his expertise led to seven deployments uh, thus far, including two to the Persian Gulf, two to Iraq, two to the Western Pacific, and one to Africa. Those deployments um, were certainly a time of worry and stress and um, lots of prayers. His uh, work was dangerous. It led to three bronze stars, one with valor, numerous other service medals. But um, sometimes I didn't really want to know all that he, he was involved with because I knew um, it was very dangerous. Yeah, with a, with a, a, a job like explosive ordnance disposal. I'm sure that uh, sleep was something was often difficult for you when you have a son in that kind of right, a position. Right, exactly, because um, they send him into the most dangerous places to search for bombs and weapons um, to prevent those people uh, who are there um, trying to keep the country safe from being injured yeah. or killed. Yes, and this is your son Trevor, correct? This is Trevor, yes. And he was just recently uh, promoted or reassigned? Yes, uh, last year he was promoted to commander, but just recently he took command of the mobile dive and salvage unit in Norfolk, Virginia. And so he will serve in that job for two years. Um, so far he has completed 17 years in the Navy. Uh, he will continue, I think, until that 20-year mark and then decide uh, to transition to civilian life or to continue depending on his um, opportunities at that time. But Trevor and his wife, Karen, like I said, are both Naval Academy grads. They didn't know each other while they were in the Naval Academy, but met some time later. <laughs> um, they have four beautiful children. And that's something that I'm in awe of, that both of them, with their rigorous responsibilities, um, are also such incredible parents, so dedicated to their role as parents. Um, and so, and that's not easy. Yeah, I, well, and particularly in the military, where they're you know reassigned, yep. you know every like you say for this last assignment, he'll be there for two years. Yep. And so the, uh, the 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 kids in the military families, they travel around a lot, 
and uh, you know they always have to be making new friends and i think it's really impo- the the parents i think are really important you know as far as you know holding it all together you yep. know, especially when they're going in, going into new environments i you- was there for his change of command ceremony which was quite a remarkable experience and while i was there i was witnessing the two of them sitting down at the table trying to figure out their jobs their responsibilities and then who was going to take their children to their various activities and how they were going to um, manage all of that and uh, needless to say it was uh, remarkable to watch them and they go through this every single week yeah so I'm somewhat familiar with the the Naval Academy, and I'd like to talk about your son, the commander, a little bit more, but I think we don't want to give short shrift to your other son, uh, the the major in the Army. Right, that's Bradley. He's my second son. He's He chose the ROTC path to become an officer. He went to school at Marquette University in Milwaukee. After um, that schooling, he went on to physical therapy school. He graduated from... Baylor University in Texas. And he also had a one-year deployment. In fact, both of my sons were deployed immediately after their wedding day. And so uh, (laughs) they got married and then um, off they went. And he was a a year in Afghanistan. He, uh, when he returned, he was a chief of amputee physical therapy services at Walter Reed Medical Center for a number of years. And so, ironically, while my son was in his deployments trying to keep people from being injured or killed, my other son, Brad, would be the person who would rehabilitate those who had lost a limb or had been injured in their service. And so I consider that kind of ironic and remarkable, the the two ways, different ways that they served. But he did work with a number of amputees, including a quad amputee who um, had a remarkable story to share. He also earned a Bronze Star and other service awards. Uh, And he also continues to amaze me because he went on to further his education. He recently graduated last May from the University of Maryland with a PhD and um, has now is now residing in Boston. He does research for um, the service. He's trying to find ways to optimize soldier performance and enhance their readiness. Um, He's done a lot of research that he's been able to publish articles and spoken nationally and internationally at a number of conferences. He has a wife um, who is not in the military but is a strong supporter of his work and they have three beautiful children. Okay, great. Well, I think we'll just take a a brief uh, pause here. Oh, two minutes. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong clock, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Aaron. Um, I have a a question, Valerie. Um, These two sons of yours that you just described so beautifully, um, they both, uh, you know, appear to have a heart of service. And even within their... um, military service it's like they've taken even a step further both of them Mm -hmm. serving in a very particular way did you see any of that in them as boys or teenagers as they were growing up well with trevor he had one goal and that was to go to the naval academy he did not apply to anything else he had no plan b or c or d that's what he wanted to do and when you apply to the naval academy you have to be thinking about that in junior high because you have to have a very 
rigorous uh, application. Uh, only less than 10% of the applicants get in. So he was doing things while other people might have been having more fun in high school. He was doing things to prepare his resume for that application. And he was blessed to get that um, appointment. So, yes, he had that in mind. And then I think, you know, my son Brad sort of felt like he looked up to his big brother and wanted to serve in some capacity. Their grandfather was a Korean War veteran and had um, served in some very dangerous battles. And I think he was an influence in their choices. And my husband also served in the Navy. But to the extent of what they've done, I think that's just all them. They're driven. They're, they're not necessarily, I would say, the highest academic achievers, but they're driven to accomplish things, and that's what has led them to their success. Okay, I, I think it's interesting when we have uh, young you know, people from the upper Midwest going into the Naval Academy because the sea, the oceans are so foreign to us. Right. But I, I suppose there's a certain attraction, kind of the mystery of the whole thing. Yeah, he was always uh, interested in the water and interested in swimming. And, you know, he went through SEAL training. And so he went through a lot of the things. He worked with special forces, obviously, in his work. So I think a lot of the rigor of his training uh, speaks to the strength of his you know, character, I guess, to be able to go through all of those things. And sometimes I wonder, you know, if internally he's been impacted by that and just doesn't show us because seven deployments, that's a long time to be in um, very high stress situations. And yet he seems to have, with the Lord's help, you know, kept his, um, used his courage and strength from the Lord to help him just be able to manage all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you, Valerie, for for joining us today. This has been a wonderful discussion, and we certainly uh, ask all of our listeners to keep your sons and all the military uh, service personnel in their prayers, Uh, especially, you know, this is kind of a a tough time for them, I'm sure, with the uncertainty throughout the world that we're experiencing. We appreciate your time, and we thank your sons for their service in the military. If I could just add one thing, I guess, as far as advice to... um people who maybe don't have families in the service or, you know, what can they do to help? I think the most important thing that I think that has helped me is when people ask about my sons, especially during deployment, but also not to forget about the siblings, the spouses, uh, the sacrifices that they make, and of course the parents, um, just being able to continue to encourage them to make the choices that they make isn't always easy, and so just not re, not uh, forgetting the other family members and just praying for them and um, being grateful, thanking them, um, thanking the families and thanking the servicemen goes a long way um, to help us get through the sacrifices. Right, and thank you. That's a great reminder. We're, we're not islands unto ourselves and everything each one of us does has an effect on other people and so they're part of a family and a community, and we all support yeah. each other. Thank yeah. you so much. Again, thank you again, Valerie, for coming in today. And Dreen, you want to talk about what's coming up next? Uh, sure. Um, let's see. Coming up next, do you have a question about the faith or anything um, in the world around us that's going on right now? 
Get those questions ready for our Straight Talk segment and later hear the inspirational stories of Rich and Mary Helen Olson. All this and more right here on Real Presence Live with my husband and me. <laughs> and our- Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live is now coming to you five days a week, bringing you new hosts including Father Paul, Father John, and Joe Rutten, Father Craig Vosick, Father Tim Buren, and Father Kyle Metzger from brand new locations including the University of Mary in Bismarck, Mount Marnie College in Yankton, South Dakota, and the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. If you're looking for hope, tune in to Real Presence Live, where you'll hear positive and inspirational stories weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it during the week at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference is for business owners, managers, and those that seek to integrate their faith into the workplace. This year's conference features world-renowned speakers that will help you take faith principles and turn them into business practices. Learn how to take your Sunday into Monday on Thursday, August 8th at the Ramcota Hotel in Sioux Falls from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information and tickets, go to faithandbusinessconference.com. Real Presence Live is now coming to you five days a week, bringing you new hosts, new locations, and brand new segments, including Heart of Your Legacy, where, as the name suggests, we get at the heart of giving and how you can leave a lasting legacy, and Honor Our Fathers, where you send us the names of your favorite priests, and we offer special recognition and a dozen donuts to one each week. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live, weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. Okay, we're back again live with Real Presence Live, and your hosts this morning are Jack and Doreen Canelli, and our guest uh, is, is Valerie Ritland, and we're happy to have her here today, short uh, the day after the Fourth of July, to talk to us about her sons in the uh, who are in the military. And also, I want to remind you that our Straight Talk segment is coming up in just a few minutes, and that number to call is one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. And I'm giving that to you in advance so that you can get your questions ready. All right. Uh, Valerie, I have a question for you about um, 
your son's being deployed many times between the two of them. And um, I know the stress that that is on parents and siblings, like you said. Um, can you just describe how your faith helped you through those and continues to help you through those um, difficult times as you entrust them to our Lord? Well, I grew up in a very strong Catholic family. I appreciate that. My parents were good models. Uh, we said the rosary every night. We certainly did all the very Catholic things. Um, I wanted to continue that within my family, so I sent my children to St. Joseph's School and and was blessed uh, some years later, unexpectedly, to serve as the principal of St. Joseph's School. It wasn't in my vision, but it was in the Lord's plan, and I was very grateful for those eight years there. So faith is very important to us. Um, it certainly was key during those times of deployments. I felt like I needed to surround myself with images of um, the Lord's presence, and so crucifixes and pictures of the Lord and Jesus and pictures of my sons, um, so that every day I would start with knowing that the Lord will get me through this and that I would always be praying um, throughout the day for them because of those reminders that I surrounded myself with. So, and I believe that their faith was very, very helpful for them in their times, challenging times. And I, and I don't want to um, be here today and not recognize uh, somebody who was special in our family, Andrew Nelson, who served in the army and was killed in Afghanistan. He is my cousin's son, and my son Trevor actually escorted his body back um, from Dover, Maryland, to um, the community here. I and had the great honor of being one of Andrew's teachers in middle school, so I oh, have a very special place in my A very, very too. remarkable young man. Yes. And I think that why I want to mention that is that, you know, we maybe think about the ser servicemen or women during times like that, but every day they're faced with very challenges, dis challenging decisions, whether they're here in the United States or abroad. And so I think we should always be mindful of the dangers that they're in and the important decisions that they have to make. But I think when Trevor escorted his body home and was here for the service, it was a time when I think all of the, the friends that he lost in his deployments were also being processed through Andrew's death because he never really had a chance. The same thing with my son, Brad, who also lost some of his friends in his deployment. They never really get a chance to process that grief. And so I think it was especially difficult for him because I think the faces of all of his friends were present at that time um, in Andrew's funeral. So I just want to say that our faith has certainly been so um, powerful in our being able to deal with all of those challenges. And I'm grateful that my sons and my daughter as well have, um, have used their faith uh, in that most powerful way. That's beautiful. It really is a rock that we can lean on, isn't it? In yes. Good times and in bad. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I do is I try to, you know, I... I have been in Bible study for many years with friends. I surround myself with good people. I know that I have grown myself. Um, I grew tremendously during my eight years as principal at St. Joe's, knowing that I had to be a model to all the families and the children. And so I think so many things in my life have helped me to t continue to deepen in my relationship with the Lord. Beautiful that you see that too. Not, not everyone 
is aware of how God is working in their lives. Um, do you have any um, information or evidence of how what the military does to support the men and women serving in their faith um, as they're um, in training or active duty? Well, I know that they that they have chaplains, of course, and and I know that they provide services even during their deployment. I know that my sons were able to participate in services, and um, I think that Bible study and those kinds of options are also available to them. Depends on what their deployment work is, but sometimes they're only getting three hours of sleep, and so it's nice to have those moments when they have a peaceful time to reflect on their faith um, because their jobs are occupying most of their their time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's good to know that there is that kind of support from the military. Um, for those who have family in the military serving right now, do you have any words of encouragement for them as a mother? Well, I just think to, you know, be proud of them. I, I guess I recently have had, because of my son's change of command and different things that have happened in our family, I, I have had conversations with people and some people have said things to me such as, oh, that's great, but I'm sure glad my son didn't make that choice or, you know, I could never have done that. And that's true. I don't think being in the service is for everyone, but I think what's most important is that we have a grateful heart for the choices that those who do make that sacrifice, uh, if they make that choice, and a great appreciation. So for families who have men and women who are serving to just encourage them, you know, if it's their passion. And I think the choice that both my sons made is based on um, something that maybe they were interested in, but I think also it was a deliberate choice to serve the Lord in this capacity, to use their strengths in a way that was serving Mm -hmm. our country. But I also think and firmly believe that they are also choosing to serve the Lord this way. And that makes me very proud. So family members, you know, just... Be encouraging, be supportive, you know, send letters the old-fashioned way, um, the emails. I was very grateful that through my son's deployment, periodically we were able to Skype, which is something that people in the military many years ago didn't have that connection. So once in a while we were able to see their face and it, it, it um, brought us great joy and peace. But um, not to discourage those who want to go into the service because we need people to do those yeah. jobs. And I, I'm just grateful that the Lord has given different gifts to all of us that we would choose different things that fill all the needs that we have in our, in our country. And so just to be encouraging to those who are considering making that choice. Because I think a lot of people, you know, would prefer that their sons or daughters or doctors or lawyers or, you know, businessmen making lots of money. Um, but this is a need in our country. And so encourage what their passion is. Yeah. It's interesting the responses you mentioned about people, and I'm thinking, well, this is the same kind of responses that people get who say, my my son is going into the priesthood or my daughter is going into religious sure. life, and it's sure. you know it's really a, a vocation and a commitment. And I think of the commitment when you mentioned that uh, your daughter, your your son's honeymoon basically was going <laughs> into his Absolutely. active service, like so really within ten days. Yeah. So anyway, well, again, we're certainly grateful for uh, the service of your sons and we're certainly thankful for you coming in today 
Uh, Valerie, it's been a wonderful interview, and I, I think we're going to start getting ready to go uh, to hook up with Father uh, Kurt Gunwall, who's on the phone for our Straight Talk segment. And for those of you who are going to be calling in, once again, that number is 877-795-0122. You can also send your uh, questions or comments to us on Facebook, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. been very proud of her yeah. brothers right and uh, she's very accomplished in her own way and I want to make sure that she's not forgotten in this interview because um, she also has made some sacrifices to not be able to see her brothers and nieces and nephews as often as she'd like and so um, she's a wonderful support yeah. for her brothers and very proud of them. Yeah, you made sure to mention her earlier in the interview, and I'm glad that you did as well for that very same reason, and I'm sure she's a great support to her brothers. What is her first name? Tracy. Tracy. Oh. Well, thank you, Valerie. Yeah. This is very inspiring. Thank you. Okay, I guess it's, uh, where are we going? Is Father Gunwell ready to come up right now, Aaron? Okay, Father. I am here. Oh, there he is. Okay, Father, I hope you're on standby. We've, we've tried to contact a number of people before coming on the air today to uh, think of their hard questions. I'm, I'm hearkening back to the days in grade school when the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the associate at the parish would come into the classroom and uh, try to answer questions, and it was, we called it Stump the Priest, so... Uh, Maybe we've got some people out there that are ready to try uh, to test your metal a little bit here. So I, well, I may be stumped, but at least I know a direction to go. Sure. Well, why don't, <laughs> Father, I know a lot of people in the Fargo area are familiar with you, but uh, our listening area is uh, all over the upper Midwest. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what you're doing now. All right. Well, Father Kurt, Curtis Gunwall, and I've been ordained now 11 years, just finished my first year at St. Anthony's in Morton and St. Peter and Paul in Mantador, which is in southeast North Dakota, and before that I had done eight years working in our vocations office, so working with our young men, discerning priesthood, religious life, and the young ladies uh, discerning that also. Before that, two years at St. Anne and Joachim when it was just being built, and that was an exciting and beautiful time to be a part of that parish. Uh, but I entered the priesthood at age 42, 43, I kind of forget exactly, but anyway, uh, a little bit later, and I had worked for the Diocese of Fargo in youth and young adult ministry for 10 years before that, uh, many years in college and seminary, college seminary, uh, my discernment took a while uh, to really know where God was calling me, but just grateful in every way that I am now here serving in the Diocese of Fargo as a priest of God. Okay, and we're happy to have you on Straight Talk this morning. And for the, for our listeners out there, I want you to understand Father was kind of holding back. He's really a smart guy, so he's ready to take on any of your questions. And if there are any <laughs> students out there who are suffering with uh, homework in uh, summer school for chemistry or physics, uh, 
feel free to call those questions in as well. I'm sure your father would be more than happy to tackle those too. So my uh, engineering time was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it wasn't until I was in college I thought engineers were guys who drove trains. So you're 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 you're, you're ahead of me on that one. So okay, I, I guess we're 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 waiting for calls now. Correct, Aaron. Okay, and we're getting some dead air right now, so uh, we're asking... I, I wanted to, I did want to share one thing from listening to, you know, the previous, your interview, your talk there. Um, I, in my work in vocations, and even now continuing, I'm working with continuing education for our priests of our diocese, one of the things, again, that we always need to be reminded of is the need for chaplains within the military, that when we think of the need of priests in our diocese, there is a need in some dioceses very tremendous, in other dioceses a little less, but we all have that need. But the military, there are not enough chaplains to serve the needs of the people well. When, you know, as mentioned, the services they might have, they might only get mass, though, maybe, maybe once a month or sometimes more or less than that, depending upon where they're serving again. And again, we want to provide for the needs of those who are risking their lives, who are serving our country in so many ways. So I was very appreciative of hearing, again, the, those who give their time and their service. It, was, it is a beautiful and powerful thing of giving our lives. As you kind of tied in with priesthood, religious life, there's some simple similarities, but we want to give our lives for a purpose, for a cause, for a reason, like to God, to to others. And so, yeah, that just, I wanted to share that. That yeah. was beautiful to hear. Well, I know. Um, Father, the military service is a diocese unto itself, is that correct? Yes, and that's fairly recent in the sense of, I don't remember what year initially they were established, but less than 20 years that they have been their own diocese. Uh, they still rely primarily upon other dioceses allowing priests to go and serve for a time in the, in the military. Yeah. So if a young man is ordained for the Diocese of Fargo and he feels a call within a call to be a military chaplain, he then remains part of the Fargo Diocese, but like on leave? Is correct. That, oh, okay. Yes, correct. And we have a number of our priests who have finished uh, a, a full service in the military and are now retired, uh, but yes, who have served in many ways or some still active. Um, you know, I could name a number of names, but it is. It's uh, it, They have to let the bishop know as that thought comes to their mind, as God places that on their heart, and they discuss it through their maybe years of formation or their years of service until Bishop Oldham, you know, will may determine that, okay, this is a good time. Yes, you could enter and go serve in this way. Others serve in the reserves and that way of being still present here. But yes, they're all they're still connected and still part of our presbyterate of the diocese while they are away serving. So we try to give them some, you know, our support in that way too. Yeah. We we have a we have a we have a caller on the line. But I I wanted to mention a a pretty sobering story that the Monsignor Donahue told uh, during his time as a chaplain on active duty, uh, and he was in combat. Was the uh, the idea that the enemy often will target chaplains and chaplains will not always wear the uh, the the outer signs of their uh, of their uh, their position because uh, the idea is if you take away their god 
you take away, you know, kind of their their desire or their drive, I guess, if you will, or their safety net. And so chaplains were considered, you know, targets in... uh, over in the in the Middle East, and uh, it's a pretty mm-hmm. sobering thought. But we have Dick yeah. uh, on the phone, and uh, and his question is, oh, Dick. Uh, okay. Okay, we'll let Dick ask the question. Dick, are you on the line? I don't know of any Dick on the line. This is Deacon Jim Hunt on the line. Oh. She may have misheard me. Well, I, I, apparently, she, apparently she did. Uh, yeah. Well, D- Jim so- sounds a lot like Dick, so I can understand the confusion. Maybe, it's, it's, maybe it was the Deacon part. That okay. Oh, know. that's it. Deacon yeah. Jim Hunt from Fargo. Good. Good to have yeah. you, Deacon. Good to have, good to be here. What is your question for uh, Father Gunwall? Put the, him on the spot. The, the question. Yeah, the question I have for him is, I've got a follow-up question, too, but I'll ask him one at a time, is uh, who in in your life, Father Gunwald, was the greatest inspiration to you in, in deepening and clinging to your Catholic faith and and also in, in uh, fostering and encouraging your vocation to the priesthood? Well, the answer also has two parts. Uh, as I've various places shared uh, my vocation story or bits of it, my parents definitely inspired me in my Catholic faith. Their own renewal of faith and growth uh, over my grade school, high school years, that was, that was part of it, was that inspiration that way. But I still had my struggles in high school of uh, not falling away, but definitely drifting away from a I continued to practice the basics of the faith, going to Mass each Sunday, but it was weaker in college, especially surrounded by the presence of, you know, so many influences in the college atmosphere. And then many good friends who were, you know, Christians, and again, made me, led me to question, and then later to dig into discovering, rediscovering my Catholic faith, that I learned as a child but needed to relearn as an adult. Then I would say in terms of towards the priesthood itself, it was many small steps along the way, which could be why it took me longer, but you know, God did not hit me with a two-by-four until I was 38. Uh, then it was, oh, I'm supposed to be a priest, and I knew it for certain, and I knew it for sure, but along the way, a friend invited me simply to come to seminary and discern there a uh, number of priests and staff and faculty along those ways, and also inviting me others, friends and whatever, friends and others who... It was a long journey with many steps, many people, so I can't point to any one person, but one thing I will share is Bishop James Sullivan, who then, when I finished college seminary and did not continue into theology, I did not hear the call from God at that time. I was investigating, but I wasn't hearing it clearly. He hired me for the Diocese of Fargo to run the Youth and Young Adult Ministry Office, which is what I'd been wanting to do for many, many years. And I was later told, and I I believe it, he just wanted to keep me close because he saw my vocation, even if I didn't see it at that moment. So even though it wasn't a very active part, it kept me close, kept me involved, living the life, sharing my faith with others, and it did allow God to bring me the further steps 
to my priesthood. So that would be the two parts to that answer. Okay, Great, Father. Thank you for that. Deacon, uh, Deacon before, you, before you go to in, go into your second question, I just want to remind our listeners the number to call in is one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two and uh, call in your questions, whatever they may be. Okay, sorry to interrupt you, Deacon. Go ahead. That's all right. The second question is, you know, you did say that Father would take scientific questions as well, and so it's a bit <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, but I just wondered what the name of the chemical is that causes apples to turn brown when you cut into them, and, and potatoes as well. You stumped me. I have just heard that, that I might know that. Oh, I know that. That's brown tium. <laughs> No, it's polyphenol oxidase. <laughs> well, that's the technical okay. name. That's the technical yes. name. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you. you so much. Okay. Thank you, Deacon. All right. Okay. Do we, have any other, do we have any other deacons out there who have questions for Father? We want to put them on the spot or today. Anyone. Yeah, no, or anyone. anyone. Yeah, or anyone. Yeah, we're not just... We want anybody who's listening. I a few of our parishioners that I was going to be on, but a few who were at morning mass this morning, so... They said they were going to listen, and uh, don't know if they have any questions that they want to call, yeah. but anyone else do. I've met people throughout not only our diocese, but throughout a broader area of the listening areas. I've done my travels and vocation work. I did have a couple other things, though, that had popped into my mind as I was just prepared for today, and one of them is about growing in our faith. As I say, my own journey had its fallback. It's kind of drifting away. And then coming back to, to the Lord, where God is the most important person in my life. He is the one I love more than my family. I love my family with all my heart, but I love my God with all of my heart and more. Um, but that journey of faith, for so many people, again, that might be sitting there, the questions they have need to be asked. I mean, so if somebody's listening and, and has a question, or any of these days when we have this this time on Real Presence Radio, is no question is foolish. The simplest question, if it helps us take a step closer to God through our Catholic faith, is important, because I was filled with many of those questions as I returned even. It took me months to realize, okay, I'm Catholic, even though I still don't understand it all fully, and some of it I still disagreed with in a light way, but I trusted that the Church had a reason, an answer, an explanation for everything. And so I put my trust in and said, okay, I'm going to continue to dig in and seek to grow in this way. But every question along the way helped strengthen me and prepare me for where I'm at today. I mean, the studying in seminary was part of it, but the prayer, the Bible studies I was part of throughout many years, many friends asking questions, it's, I don't always have an answer, uh, but again, I... I know where to look. I know who to go to. I know to go to God and His guidance in many ways to find those answers. So growing in our Catholic faith, deepening, that is a lifetime journey. It sure is. Thank you for saying that, Father. Um, And I just want to encourage people that are out there that have questions, but they're shy about having their voice heard on the radio. You can call in to 877-795-0122. And we have people that will just write your question, and we can read it for you. You don't have to be on the line. We do love hearing the voices of our listeners, but you, um, if you're kind of shy but you do have questions, 
please um, call in with those questions. And if you have the question, so do lots of other people. And um, to ask it is kind of a gift to those who have the same question. Yeah. And we, since we have and a Facebook for some others. Yeah, yes, Facebook is another way that you can yeah. write in your questions. Yes. Thank and you. I, I'm going to mention also that uh, with Father on one line, uh, we have only one line. So if you get a busy signal, uh, just try again in a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds, and, and, and you'll get through. So, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't give up if you just hit a busy signal. It's, it's, it's a matter of just the, we have one line available, and uh, uh, you'll get through. So, and that number again is 877 877- Seven nine five zero one two two, and so Father is anxious to take your take your questions, and uh, we're anxious for you to call in or uh, send us a Facebook, and uh, we've got ten minutes for calls yet, and so there's still plenty of time. Again, seven nine eight seven 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 nine five zero one. To two, and we know that Father Gunwell has put a lot of time into preparing for this program, so don't disappoint him. Well, <laughs> I wanted to share one more piece uh, again of, of both that journey and the questions. As I mentioned, my own return into faith did involve too a number of years where I was not taking part in the sacrament of reconciliation. I didn't think that I committed any serious sins, which I know you can have people on both ends of either being over scrupulous scrupulous about things, or I think the majority of people, though, like myself at that time, thinking, but I don't really sin anything seriously, no reason to go to confession. And when I realized uh, that I'm not the judge of how serious something is, just because I don't think I've hurt anybody that badly or intentionally, or, or that it's not that big of a deal, the Church actually helps guide us as to what is mortal sins, you know, what is serious matter, and it is a priest or others who can help us make a good confession, who can help us discern how much was I responsible for what happened, you know, not just to assume I wasn't, or not to put too much burden on myself and say, you know, oh, I'm the cause of all the faults and problems in my family and other stuff, but to have the help of a spiritual a spiritual, you know, guide to help in that discernment. So for others, again, who may not be participating in that gift of a sacrament of healing, of strength, of mercy, of forgiveness, that is an important part of the journey, too, because it was then as I returned to that sacrament that, again, I was willing to truly commit my heart to God in the Church, in His Church, and find the answers, to find the peace that is there, not from running away, not from ignoring, but addressing, I'm a sinner, striving to be a saint, and that's what each of us is called to do, to be. I mean, today the reading with St. Matthew's call was another piece of that, that we are all that sinner. We are all the sinner that Jesus came to die for and to call. We have a righteousness in Christ, in Jesus, but not our own. And so we all need that gift of mercy, of forgiveness that comes in the sacrament. And it is a great gift that Catholics have that other Christians don't even recognize. And it's a command in the, in the scriptures over and over. Confess your sins to one another. Jesus giving the authority to forgive sins to the apostles and to those that 
you know, they've passed it on to. And we all have to forgive those who've sinned against us. That, but this sacrament is such a gift. Such a beautiful reminder, Father. It is truly a gift. And then the end of the gift is also in re- hearing the words, I absolve you of your sins and knowing for sure. We have a caller on the line. Father, it's okay. Beth from Pierce, South Dakota. Go ahead, Beth. All right, Beth. Oh, hi. Thank uh, you for taking my call. Um, I guess my question is, what are your thoughts and views of purgatory? <clears throat> I kind of struggle with believing in it. And is it something that, I mean, I just, I have questions on it, I guess. I've prayed okay. and prayed and prayed about it. Um, and so I guess, can I be a good Catholic without believing in purgatory? Well, yes, let me answer two parts. You can be, all of us can be a good Catholic, even when we have our questions and doubts. That does not, again, it's if we obstinately say the Church is wrong, and I'm smarter than all the saints and all, the, you know, everything the Church teaches. If we are in kind of an obstinate, I refuse to believe this, then we're, you know, then we're in a bad place, then we're struggling. But having your questions... That was, purgatory was one of the ones that I, I mean, again, I had many struggles, and some of them took years before I ever really realized it or addressed it. But the neat thing is about purgatory is that it's now one of the, I talk about the four last things, talking to RCA, those who are looking at the Catholic faith. I talk with, I used to talk with young people. And purgatory fitting into, you know, death and judgment, heaven and hell, and it is one of the things, actually, that I had this conversation years ago with a young man and his parents who brought him down. He didn't want to be confirmed Catholic. This is when it was still high school in our diocese. And he had been going to a, another church youth group, and the, the pastor there had filled with a lot of, well, the church, Catholic Church is wrong on this, 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 and this, and this, and, you know, pulled out a few scriptures and showed how that's not what it means. And I simply asked him, I said, okay, if I can show you one area where you haven't heard the whole explanation, are you willing to at least continue to dig in and to, again, search for the the full answers that the Church offers? And he said, sure. I said, okay, so what's one of the areas you struggle with? Okay, in purgatory, I don't remember if he mentioned it directly or if it was just life after death or some part of that. But we talked about purgatory, and my... The answer I like to give is longer than I can do, and I do little drawings on such on the board, but so I can't do all that on the radio. But I will say that if you look at creation and history, in the beginning, there was God, and that was it. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this unity of God. Then he creates the angels. Then he, the, you know, he creates the universe, the physical world, and then he creates us, and in that time, you know, the angels, some of them rebel and fall. And so I talk about these different things. So in the beginning, there was only God. Then there was heaven and hell, where the angels were and those who rebelled. Then there was the physical world. Then you have Jesus talking about the bosom of Abraham, and that place where the people were waiting for Jesus to open heaven and bring the righteous back to heaven. Well, then Jesus did that. But all of this shows that the idea of purgatory, the teaching of purgatory, there's nothing that says it couldn't be. God already had a place that wasn't heaven, wasn't hell. It was a place of waiting. It was a place, and we'd say, of purification, of that, that waiting for the fullness 
of the of heaven. So that's one part of it. The other part of uh, of an explanation is that purgatory, that word, it comes from a Latin word. It's actually in the scripture in Paul's letters. If you look up that idea, it says that when at the end of our life, after we die, our works, our life will be tried as through fire. And in English, that is the word purgatory. So our, our again, our, our belief is something that St. Paul teaches very directly. And I gave a presentation at an ecumenical youth conference many, many years ago before I was a but as I've been growing in my faith, and I described what we believe about purgatory, and there was a Baptist minister, Assembly of God minister, a Lutheran pastor, um, and then all these kids there. And after I explained it, using a few of these pieces, even the two pastors said, well, we agree with that. Again, if purgatory can be explained in, in the full way and, and in the way that makes it clearer, then other Christians even say, well, no, that is, yeah, that's part of our faith. So it's maybe how you've heard it. Uh, so I'm going to stop there. I know we're running short, but do you have anything further? Does that help at least give you a direction or a starting place uh, to, to deepen? It does. And can you um, tell me where at you, I could read about that some more? Um, did you give me, did you say some Well, onlinecatholic.com is, they've got a whole section again on purgatory, the writings of the early church again, too, how the early Christians... You know, this is very clearly understood. Um, Catholic.com has, you just put in purgatory, and you'll find so many resources. I have a number of other books that I have also, again, referenced in my own life over these years of digging in. One that I really like, it's a little deeper, is Unabridged Christianity. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, the scriptures, you can go back to uh, the books of Maccabees, you can look for in Catholic.com all the scripture references to purgatory, even some of Jesus' parable, again, of talks refers to it. So there's, oh, there are so many resources, but if you start Catholic.com, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Father, I'm going to cut in here because we have one question from a listener that we'd like to get to in the little bit, little bit of time we have right. here, and it's not a short yeah, answer either. <laughs> it's not a short answer. It's uh, a question from Anne, and I'm sorry, Beth, to kind of cut you short there okay, a little thank bit. thank you. Thank, thank you for thank calling. Thank you for calling. And the, thank you. The, the question from Anne is, what is the best way to respond to the question, how do you prove God exists? <laughs> and you've got about a minute and a half. <laughs> Well, then I'm not going to be able to, of course, answer, but I would say there are the proofs for God from Thomas Aquinas, and you go older. You go back to the ancient times. One of the things, though, that I think in our modern world, I talk about the characteristics of God. We talk about the transcendentals, truth, goodness, and beauty. To me, I think that speaks to a lot of people, that we find God, we see God, and that this is, these transcendentals come even pre-Christian, that some of the pagans saw this is the character of God. This shows God. This reveals God. So I think in our modern world, actually, truth, goodness, and beauty, you're going to meet some people who truth is the primary thing they're looking for. Others, it's goodness. Yeah. And a few, it's beauty. But all three of them are important and essential for us to see God and to recognize God. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas and the others, they're proofs of God. These ones, they, they, he didn't invent them, but he consolidated them well. They help us, again, in a very practical way of, well, something had to exist. Either you believe, uh, you know, even the Big Bang is a Catholic priest explanation of the creation of the universe, and it doesn't contradict God created. Boom, Big Bang, everything's in existence, and even science says that 
before that, our laws of physics, our laws of science made no sense. The universe didn't exist in the universe way that it is. So Father Robert Spitzer, again, has many of the scientific explanations and logical ones. He's on EWTN radio and, and others. So that's the short answer. Okay, thank you, Father. And I, I hope that, uh, Anne, I hope that answers your question. And uh, he mentioned Thomas's proofs. And if you were to just Google uh, the proofs of God's existence, St. Thomas Aquinas, you'd probably get any number of hits. And so, okay, thank you. It's time to go, Father. Thank you very much. All right, good to be with you. Thanks, Father.